Recording is enabled. This week on Telltales, origins, introductions, and unwanted time-traveling houseguests. Telltales is a secret organization that gathers in an undisclosed location to share secret knitting techniques. We also write fiction stories. Josh is coming to us via Skype from Purgatory, where he's been sent to think about his unhealthy obsession with bad puns. He knows what he's done, he just hasn't apologized yet. David has earned a doctorate in sarcasm. His thesis was titled, I don't always write a doctoral thesis, but when I do, it's totally about memes. Chris is a troll. Not an internet troll. The kind that lives under bridges and eats goats. He smells terrible. How did the Telltales get started? In all honesty, this whole thing was just a mistake. Josh was secretly writing a novel and was embarrassed about it, but I found out. But then, I accidentally offered him encouragement and support. I meant to make fun of him like I usually do, but instead I admitted that I was writing some stuff too. I really don't know what happened. Like I said, it was a total mistake. David! David just seemed like the kind of person who'd be hiding a dirty little secret, so we knew he was an author. Now he's an accomplice to this whole deal. Misery loves company and all that. We're calling this season Oddities Volume 1. Why are we calling it Oddities Volume 1? Well, because we're hoping to do a Volume 2 someday. You will be treated to original short stories in various genres. Sci-fi, fantasy, horror. That's right, we just decided to write stuff and read it on a podcast. There's a story about a first date and giving alcohol to minors, a cautionary tale about the dangers of going corporate, and even one about the dangers of being angry. You can't make this kind of stuff up. Actually, you can. We made all of this up. Each of the 13 episodes will contain these stories as read by one of us, or maybe someone else. Who knows? Today's tale was written by Josh Carroll and is read by the author. It's called Forget-Me-Nots. So try to relax while Josh does his best old Southern lady impression. It's only going to hurt a little bit. Probably. Now let me think. I believe it was a Tuesday morning the last time I saw those kids. The time travelers, I mean. That's what they called themselves. Yes, that's right. Mabel was coming for lunch. She always comes for lunch on Tuesdays. And I was trying to pull the last of the weeds out of my prized forget-me-nots before she showed up. That Mabel, she's a sweet lady, but if she saw even one weed in my front garden, the whole garden club would hear about it. Bless her heart. Well, there I was, knees muddy and my hair up in curlers when I heard them. I knew it was the kids right away, of course. They'd popped up every so often before, and it always sounded the same. Sort of a spattering and screeching sound. Always put me in mind of an old tomcat being fried alive. I hollered to Jack that I was round front and dropped my spade. It'd be no use trying to get the chores done with those youngsters around. I knew they'd be hungry and full of questions. Jack... That's what I called him, anyway. His real name has more letters than a Sunday paper, so I just called him Jack for short. Well, poor miserable Jack was a-moaning and a-cussing something awful when he came around the corner. Then he stomped up to me and asked what year it was, and I told him it was the same as the last time. Jack said that was no good because he didn't know whether the last time I saw him was the same as the last time he saw me. I told him that was nonsense. But he kept belly aching, so I told him the year, and he didn't seem too happy about it. 
About that time, up came Sue and Barb from round the corner. No, those ain't their proper names either. And let me tell you, they were a sight. They don't dress like ladies ought on the best of days. But on that day, they looked like they'd been chewed up and spit out raw, dirty and scraped up with their clothes torn and hanging ragged. I asked what happened to them. Barb said I didn't want to know, and Sue only stared at me with those wide, unblinking eyes of hers. I'm not sure that girl could talk if she tried, and I never heard her try. She was a strange one. So I invited them in for breakfast, whipped up some biscuits and fried some sausage and eggs. Barb said she only wanted coffee, seemed a bit out of sorts. Sue spent the whole time with her fingers stuck in a light socket. She was forever doing things like that. It's a wonder she was never electrocuted. But Jack, as I'd expected, ate plenty for all of them. I swear the other people they visited must not have known how to feed a growing boy. Poor kid was always starving whenever they turned up. Needless to say, Jack was friendlier after he ate. He tried to explain to me where they'd been and why they kept winding up in my backyard, bless him, but I confess I didn't really listen. More than half of what that boy says is pure foolishness, and I was too busy watching the clock and praying Mabel wouldn't turn up early again. Then Jack asked if I'd come with them when they left. He'd asked before, and I answered in the same as ever, laughed right in his face. I've got too much to do, sweetheart, and I'm too old, I said. And besides, I haven't got the time. Mabel's coming for lunch. Thanks, anyway. But he said time wasn't a problem when you could travel through it. I said they seemed to be having an awful lot of trouble traveling through time or whatever it was they were doing, and that I'd rather not risk it. He said that they only had problems when they tried to get back to their own home, wherever that was, and that even then it would be safe for me since they wound up at my house as often as not. The problem with getting back to their home, Jack said, had something to do with a time abnormality or some other such nonsense, and he thought I might have caused it. He said he suspected there was some sort of time, gravity, something or other around me or my house that kept dragging them there. I told him he had some gumption to make such outrageous accusations of a little old lady. Jack apologized and said he wasn't accusing anybody of anything, but that it was terribly important that I come with them. He thought that if I came along, they might be able to untangle some sort of knot or loop or something. I refused. He begged. I said that was enough of that. And then that boy had the gall to ask how old I was, really. Said he expected I was older than I looked. The nerve. When I didn't answer, he got downright pushy. Asked if I was really from around these parts, and if I had ever found or hidden anything on my property that was especially old or valuable or unearthly. Well, I told him that a lady never discusses her money or her age with strangers, and that he had no right to be so nosy. Jack said he was sorry, but that it was awful important that I tell them. I said that the only things important to me just then were pulling the rest of the weeds out of my garden and making myself presentable before my invited company showed up, thank you very much. I told him that officer elections for the garden club were just around the corner, and I couldn't have Mabel thinking I'd gone lazy. Well, Jack got angry then and raised his voice, insisted I come with them, threatened to tear my place apart if he had to. Barb tried to calm him down, but it was too late. I showed them the door. Told them that they weren't welcome at my house anymore, and that I'd be obliged if they didn't drop by again. That was a year ago, or more. Yes, of course, I've heard them come and go since then. Sometimes midday, sometimes in the middle of the night. But I wouldn't see them. They even knocked on my door once. But I didn't answer. Pretended I wasn't home. 
They acted as if they didn't know very well who lived there and shouted through the door that they were just friendly travelers in an unfamiliar place looking for some hospitality. I wasn't fooled, and I don't take kindly to liars, so I turned them away. And wouldn't you know the next time I heard them, they were digging up my front yard. Put a giant hole right by the live oak big enough for a coffin before I could find the varmint gun and run them off. Well, that did me in. I'd had enough. An old lady like me can't take chances with strangers who have no respect for their elders. So I hired Jimmy to guard the place. I don't know what transpired between him and those kids, and I don't care to know. If Jimmy says they threatened him, that's good enough for me, even if it does break my heart. He's a good-for-nothing bum, that Jimmy, but he's family, and I've known him a very long time. I hired him to protect me, and he did his job. Now, if that's quite enough, officer, I'd like to get on home. I have a garden full of broken and blood-drenched forget-me-nots that need to be pulled up and replaced. <laughs> that story made me hungry for some biscuits. Mm, biscuits. I love I love biscuits as much as the next guy. I, I don't know that you do, because the next guy is me. Okay. Well, I know you love biscuits. You grew up in... I grew up kind of all over, but I did spend most of my childhood in Alabama. Okay. Well, I grew up in Texas, and I don't know if it's a Texas thing or not, but my granny made biscuits, and she served them with chocolate gravy, and there wasn't anybody. That's an abomination. That is an Obama frickin' nation. Are we going to go to blows here? We might. Chocolate? Guys, guys, let me just just step in and say that I'm going to support Josh on this. No, you you Texans are wrong. Listen. Don't knock it till you. It's not a Texas thing. It's a chocolate thing. I mean, I support putting chocolate on pretty much anything. No, breakfast should not be sweet. Breakfast is sausage. It's bacon. It's cornbread. It's biscuits. It's sawmill gravy. It's eggs. It's cheese. One hundred percent on all those things. It's not chocolate and chocolate gravy. Chocolate is for dessert. You ever have chocolate milk? No, it's gross. Chocolate. You ever had a donut for breakfast? Donuts are sweet. I hate donuts. Okay, you okay, just have you so many problems right now. That's it. No, he doesn't Chocolate like donuts. and biscuits don't go together. I feel like you invalidated your argument by saying you don't like donuts. You just alienated like most people who okay. eat breakfast. I understand that in Texas, you guys have to have, it's like mandated by law, a donut shop every 200 yards. Because I've seen <laughs> That's this. how God intended it, Chris. <laughs> As God intended, for sure. <laughs> I, seriously, it was one of the first things I noticed when I moved to Texas. Was like every freaking strip mall has a donut shop and a dentist office. They go together, I'm sure, <laughs> but it's weird. It's not like that in other places. It cancels each other out. It's fine. It's fine. Join us next week for a helpful lesson on self-reflection and leisure footwear. This has been a production of Telltales. Copyright for today's story belongs to Josh Carroll, so don't steal it or you might actually get to meet that good-for-nothing Jimmy. The theme music is by the Flat Creek Kings. Catering this week was provided by Texas Tim's Tasty Critters Jerky, the meat that melts in your mouth and not in your hands. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share on social media and leave us a review on iTunes. You can find us at telltaleswriting.com, on Facebook by searching Telltales Writing, on Twitter at at telltaleswrite, or on Instagram at telltaleswriting. You can find all of that and more at our website, telltaleswriting.com. If you did not enjoy this podcast, you can avoid further discomfort by submerging your listening device in water for 10 minutes.
The moral of today's story is keep your flower beds clean of blood because Mabel's a filthy gossip. <laughs>